Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. She said, Daddy, I think Mommy is dying. Nature's deadliest organisms. I didn't know if I was going to lose her. They can hijack our bodies. They couldn't do anything. Disable our immune systems. It makes the body attack itself. And eat us from within. It was really frightening. For those infected... They are the monsters inside me. Twenty-eight-year-old Ruth Goodyjohn lives in the small town of Shelby, deep in the heart of rural Nebraska. She has four beautiful daughters: six-year-old Courtney, five-year-old Sarah, two-year-old Emily, and the new baby Wendy. It was pretty crazy being a mom of four. They got me laughing. They had me crying with joy. Just being their mom was the greatest adventure. Courtney is the eldest daughter in the family. It's fun having three younger sisters. I liked being the oldest. It's a lot of work, you know, um, having to keep everybody in line. But there is one thing the whole family loves to do together. The girls loved being outdoors. We took them fishing quite often. We spent time, you know, days camping. And two-year-old Emily has her own particular approach to fishing. Emily liked to goof around a lot. Emily would pick up rocks and start throwing them. And either I or my mom would be like, stop, you're going to scare the fish away. She thought it was funny. But the family is about to discover that nature isn't always so harmless. One morning in early June, Ruth is getting the girls ready for the day. I woke Emily up to get her dressed so I could get her sisters off to school. 
and I noticed about a quarter-sized lump on her neck. I didn't know what it was. I thought that was strange. I had never experienced that with the older two sisters. I was concerned, but I figured I would give her Tylenol every four hours to see if that would take it away. But the next day, Ruth finds that strange lump is still there. I went into her pediatrician, and they did an examination, and they took one look at her neck, and they explained to me it was an infection that caused a lymph node to swell. Lymph nodes are part of the body's immune system. When the body detects an infectious agent, it sends lymphatic fluid to the lymph nodes, making them swell. Doctors give Emily antibiotics. I immediately start administering it to her. The next morning, the lump grew within less than 24 hours. It just overpowered her neck. It just was huge. I immediately called the doctor's office back. But they just told me to continue to administer the medicine that she'll get better. I was a little angry because I thought, you know, they should have at least investigated it a little bit more. Nevertheless, Ruth continues the antibiotic treatment. The next day, I saw black rings under her eyes. It looked like she got hit under both eyes. She was very, very frustrated because she couldn't express in more logic terms of how she was feeling. All she could do was just cry. I was scared. I honestly thought these doctors must be crazy because this child is not getting better. So I ended up taking her to the emergency room. There, an ER doctor reviews Emily's case. The doctor took one look at her. The option was to let the doctor give her a pure penicillin shot. Penicillin is an antibiotic used to treat a wide range of serious infections. The doctor administered the shot. My biggest hope was that it was going to work and that things were going to start improving. For the next two weeks, Ruth keeps Emily indoors, and her health seems to improve. It was a weekend. We were going to go have a family day outside. And I started combing her hair, and she let out this awful scream. So I start filling her head, and I feel this bump in the back part of her head. And when I started separating her hair, I found a bloated tick. Ticks are small insect-like parasites that feed on the blood of their host. I was freaking out. This tick literally dug its body and its feet right into her scalp. Immediately, Ruth uses tweezers to extract the embedded tick out of Emily's head. I ended up saving the tick and put it in a bottle. Ruth takes Emily and the specimen back to their local pediatrician. The doctor came in and she explained to me that the tick that we had taken off of Emily was an American dog tick. The American dog tick is primarily found east of the Rocky Mountains. It can carry several infectious agents that can cause multiple diseases, including Rocky Mountain spotted fever and canine tick paralysis, all of which affect humans and are potentially fatal. 
To test for tick-borne illnesses, the pediatrician sends Ruth and Emily to Children's Hospital and Medical Center, 78 miles away in Omaha. There, pediatric disease specialist Dr. Archana Chatterjee reviews her case. At her initial presentation, Emily's case was not immediately clear. She had an ulcer on her head at the site where there is an insect bite. They drew her blood, just numerous blood draws for different things. She expressed a lot of hurt, a lot of pain. Um, there was moments where she could express herself, but there was just moments that she just cried. And it's like my heart just ached. For three long weeks, Emily and Ruth are in and out of the hospital while doctors analyze the blood tests. I really didn't have any answers, and I wanted them. So Ruth returns with Emily to the hospital. We were scheduled for one more appointment, the follow-up of a previous test. The doctor comes walking in and decked out in what looked like almost like a radioactive suit. I have this look of shock on my face because, of course, I don't understand what was going on. She tells me that Emily is very contagious. I was scared out of my mind. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In Omaha, Ruth Goodyjohn is in the hospital with her two-year-old daughter, Emily, when doctors wearing isolation gear whisk the girl away. She tells us that Emily's infectious and she had to be quarantined. The doctor proceeded to explain to me that Emily had tested positive for tularemia. Tularemia is an infectious tick-borne disease caused by a bacteria called Francisella tularensis. Inside Emily's body, the bacteria colonize her skin and kill her tissue. White blood cells attempt to destroy the bacteria by ingesting them, but the bacteria are able to survive inside the white blood cells, where they continue to reproduce. The immune system tries to flush out the bacteria with fluids. This is what caused Emily's swollen lymph nodes. The bacteria that causes tularemia infections is highly contagious, is resistant to penicillin, and can be fatal. Because Emily had large open sore, those bacteria could be aerosolized from that ulcer site. So she was placed in isolation. And because Emily went undiagnosed and therefore untreated for several weeks, the worst outcome obviously is death. I didn't know what to think. I didn't know if I was going to lose her. I didn't know if she was going to get better. I was just, in all honesty, I was trusting that God was going to take care of her. I just, I, my heart was breaking. Roughly 120 cases of tularemia are reported in the United States every year. Children in rural areas are most likely to contract the disease during the warmer months, as this is when they are most likely to be exposed to ticks. Without treatment, up to 60% of those infected with tularemia in the United States will die. But how did Emily contract the disease in the first place? I remember Emily being out fishing at least a couple weeks prior to her getting sick. That's has got to be where she got the tick. Doctors prescribe a new antibiotic called streptomycin. But administering it isn't easy. They put the pick line in from her elbow all the way to her heart. She was crying and screaming, and the doctors were holding her down, and the nurses were like, Mom, if you need to leave, we've got this. And I'm like, I'm not leaving my baby. For six days, the family remains by Emily's side as she fights the tularemia infection. We prayed a lot every night. Sometimes my mom would lead us in prayer just to make sure that, you know, she was protected. You know, and all I could do was just reassure her that I was there. And then, one morning, 
Ruth and Courtney noticed a significant change. She finally had color in her face, and that was the moment I realized that everything was going to be okay. She looked so much better. We had a group hug for maybe a good 10 minutes or so. Emily defeats the deadly tularemia bacteria. She could have died from this. The doctors had told me to keep an eye on her because she could have some kidney problems. We were very lucky we didn't have any. Two days later, doctors send Emily home. And today, Emily Goodyjohn is a happy, healthy 10-year-old. My family tells me about what happened. Just makes me think that, wow, I went through that and I didn't even know what happened. It gives me the shivers a little. But I'm happy that I'm here. I mean, if she wasn't here, I mean, I don't know what I would have done. She's my sister. Emily today is a very happy, healthy kid. She's, she is a joy. She's, I'm glad she's around. To prevent tularemia infections and other tick-borne illnesses, the CDC recommends using DEET-based insect repellent. If a person comes in contact with a tick, it should be immediately removed with tweezers, and if symptoms develop, they should seek medical attention immediately. Chris and Kendall Cobb are a married couple living in the bucolic town of Rocky Mount, North Carolina. We moved to Rocky Mount about 15 years ago. We like the small town life in this area. I uh, like the rural areas and the mom and pop shops. Chris works as a timber broker, and Kendall is a stay-at-home mom who devotes most of her time to their two kids, nine-year-old Corbett and five-year-old Mary Vivian. Corbett is 100% boy. He's involved in anything outside, loves to be outdoors. Mary Vivian, she loves to ride horses, loves animals, and is just a very sweet-natured child. Kendall's a great mom. She's very caring, very compassionate, puts the kids' interests first, and works hard to make sure they have what they need. But this family's mom is about to be put to the ultimate test. One spring morning, Chris and Kendall are at the kids' school for a special event. The last week of school, they have field day, which is an activity where they have three-legged races, sack races, sprints. It was important for us as a family to be there and watch them. I was gonna take pictures of them, and all of a sudden, I felt this really bad abdominal pain. It felt like something had been jammed in it. I was a little worried, but I didn't want the children to know that I was feeling bad. I could tell she had some kind of pain, but she really didn't want to leave because she knew it meant a lot for the kids for her to be there. Three days later, Kendall goes to see her doctor. After the visit, she calls Chris with some alarming news. I was at work, and Kendall called me to inform me that she had gallstones. Gallstones occur when a digestive fluid called bile solidifies in the gallbladder. The stones can grow to the size of golf balls, and often cause serious abdominal pain. The doctor said that I needed to have my gallbladder removed and it was just a simple procedure. I was so relieved because I knew I would not have any other pain issues again. I was hoping that this would be the end to the pain. So three days later, Kendall goes in for surgery to have her gallbladder removed. And it seems that the operation is a success. When I heard that, I was relieved. Kendall recovers well, 
and for two months, her life returns to normal. Until one evening in late summer. We were having dinner, and Kendall got up and went to the bathroom. But after waiting several minutes for her to return, I became concerned, and I went to check on her. I could hear her moaning in pain, and when I opened the door, she was laying on the floor, doubled over in pain. Immediately, my heart dropped in my stomach. It hurt so bad in my back. I was in such excruciating pain that I just couldn't even move. Seeing her laying there on the floor did scare me. I had never seen her experience that kind of pain before. Chris rushes Kendall to the ER. There, doctors take her vitals and perform an abdominal CAT scan. The results are surprising. The doctor came in. He said that he knew what was wrong. He told Chris and I that I had a kidney stone. Kidney stones are small deposits of mineral and acid salts that form within the kidneys. The hardened stones can clog the urinary tract, causing intense pain in the back and abdomen. I was a little nervous, but just knowing that they knew what it was was good news. The doctors then told us that the kidney stone was small and she would probably pass it within several weeks. There was a big sense of relief to know that's what was causing the pain. Three weeks later, Kendall does pass the kidney stone, but the pain persists. And over the course of the next three years, Kendall is plagued by debilitating abdominal pain, nausea, and depression. I wasn't able to do routine things, go out to dinner, help care for the children. I felt really bad I wasn't giving the children my undivided attention. Being a mom is one of the most important things in Kendall's life, and this had completely disrupted that. Kendall sees countless doctors, but to no avail. All the tests were inconclusive, and, and the doctors were dumbfounded. And it was extremely frustrating. Then, one day in late August, things come to a head. Kendall had decided to take our daughter, Mary Vivian, back to school shopping. It was mid-afternoon. I was at work. There, Chris receives a call from his wife's cell phone. I answered the phone expecting to hear Kendall, but instead I heard a quivering, shaky voice of my seven-year-old daughter. She was extremely upset. She was crying. And she said, Daddy, I think Mommy is dying. I had never heard my daughter that scared. I was in so much pain that I could barely speak. It was one of the worst painful episodes that I had. I felt like someone just punched me in the gut. It was extremely intense. I just got really afraid. I was scared not only for Kendall, but also for our daughter for having to experience this. Chris calls 911, and 10 minutes later, EMTs load Kendall into an ambulance. Chris rushes to meet them in the ER. She looked exhausted. She was doubled over. It was obvious that the pain was more severe than we had ever seen before. Doctors run x-rays and blood work. But the ER doctors told us they couldn't find anything wrong with Kendall. I was extremely upset. 
All the doctors can do is refer Kendall to yet another specialist. But this time, the specialist uncovers an important clue. The doctor turned to me and asked if her skin color had been like that over the last several weeks. I turned and looked at her and noticed that her skin did look a little yellow. He said that she appeared to be jaundiced. Jaundice is a yellowing of the skin that typically results from dysfunction in the liver, a vital organ that aids in digestion. Jaundice can often be a sign of hepatitis or liver disease, both of which can be fatal. I was really shocked when he said that. All kinds of things were running through my mind, cancer, tumors was scary and made us realize how sick Kendall really was. When the specialist orders an MRI of Kendall's abdomen, he notices an abnormality on her liver. But to find out what is causing it, Kendall must undergo exploratory surgery. At Duke Medical Center in Durham, North Carolina, Dr. Jeffrey Basil and his team prepare for the operation. We thought she would benefit from an ERCP. It's an invasive procedure where we take a scope with a camera at the end of it and we gain access to the bile duct. The bile duct is a long tube-like structure that carries bile from the liver to the intestines. Dr. Basil and his team sedate Kendall and begin the procedure. The scope was inserted through her mouth into her esophagus, stomach, and eventually into the upper part of her small intestines. From there, doctors get a view into the ducts of her liver, where they stumble upon something horrific. When we swept the bile duct, a flat, leaf-like object appeared to be moving. We used the scope to suction it so we could pull it out. We were able to put it in a jar and take a closer look at it. With the creature in hand, Dr. Basil and his team can identify it. And when Kendall wakes up from surgery, she and Chris are in for quite a shock. He had a jar in his hand with something in it, and he said he had a parasite. We diagnosed Kendall with a liver fluke called fasciola hepatica. Fasciola hepatica is a type of parasitic fluke that targets its host bile ducts and liver. Inside Kendall's body, the parasites feed on liver cells and blood, killing tissue and causing extreme inflammation. There, the parasites reproduce unchecked, leading to her jaundice, debilitation, and the agonizing abdominal pains that have haunted her for four years. I was so shocked. I just felt so invaded. I was scared to death. Not once did we ever consider that the possibility could be a parasite. The liver fluke parasite is a flatworm that can survive in the human body for up to 30 years. Although many of those infected with the disease don't exhibit symptoms, the liver fluke can cause chronic inflammation of the liver and even lead to the formation of gallstones. In extreme cases, the parasite can cause cancer of the liver. But Kendall's prognosis is even worse than this. She can ultimately die from a severe infection. 
It was very scary. It was hard to imagine our family without Kendall. She's the matriarch. She's the one that takes care of all of us. To kill the remaining flukes in her liver, doctors put Kendall on a rigorous course of antiparasitic medication called nitazoxanide. But something still haunts her. Where did I get this? The only place that we've been in the last 14 years out of the United States is the Bahamas. While liver flukes are present in the Caribbean, they can also be found much closer to home. Though it's most common in Asia and Eastern Europe, the liver fluke is found in over 50 countries, including the United States, and affects as many as 35 million people worldwide. In freshwater, the liver fluke egg hatches into a larva that then penetrates a snail where it feeds and grows. After several weeks, it leaves the snail and attaches itself to a piece of vegetation and forms a cyst. The parasite enters its next host when a mammal, such as a sheep, eats the contaminated vegetation. Inside the mammal, the fluke burrows through the intestine and into the liver where it lays its eggs. The eggs pass in the mammal's excrement and into freshwater where the life cycle continues. While it's impossible to be certain where Kendall got the parasite, there is one plant in particular that is often associated with liver fluke infections. The most common way in which people become infected with liver flukes is from eating contaminated raw watercress. Although the parasite is known to be present in the U.S., it's also possible to contract the parasite from eating contaminated imported produce. After three months, the antiparasitic medication rids Kendall's liver of the infection. And today, the Cobb's family life has returned to normal. I'm back to being the kind of mom that I want to be. Since the procedure and her recovery, she hasn't missed a single function for either of the children. She's back to being the mom that she wants to be and the mom that we're lucky to have. There are no vaccines against liver fluke. The best way to avoid contracting liver flukes is by making sure vegetables are thoroughly washed and cooked, particularly when traveling abroad in locations with poor sanitary conditions. He was crying out. It hurts, Mommy. Everything hurts. He was hitting himself and screaming. He absolutely lost it. Dave Hart and Ann Gore live amidst the spectacular natural surroundings of Alaska's largest city, Anchorage. Dave is an engineer for an oil company, and Ann works in public health. People ask me what Dave does, and I say he is an engineer by day, but by night his real passion is climbing. I like getting away from the, from the hustle and bustle of everyday life. I like to push myself mentally and physically. But their true passion is for their two sons, three-year-old Luca and five-year-old Tate. Luca is charming, and he's a funny kid, too. Tate spoke at a very early age, so we always knew that he was a bright kid. I look forward to teaching them the same sort of uh, skills that I got out of climbing from activities like, like camping and hiking and spending time outdoors. But Dave's hopes for his children's future 
are about to be shattered. It's a school day in October, and their youngest son, Luca, is recovering from an infection. Luca was home from school with pink eye. And then Tate came down from upstairs from his bedroom and just didn't look right. He had a nasal tone to his voice. And I thought, well, that's, that's weird. Tate said that he felt sick. I figured his brother had stayed home from school, and I thought he probably wanted to stay home from school as well. But he hasn't been one to, to make up illnesses to stay home from school. Tate and Luca spend the day at home recuperating. The next morning, Anne takes the boys to their pediatrician. I explained what was going on. She gave me a look. She said, I think we should rule out flu before we go any further. Luca's flu test is negative, but Tate tests positive. The results were a surprise to me. I really thought that Tate was trying to stay home from school with his brother. The doctor prescribes Tate an antiviral medication, and Anne takes the boys home. But that evening, Dave notices something unusual. I walked in from work and I saw Tate on the couch. He was just breathing very quickly. And you could tell, just struggling to catch your breath. Dave called me over and just said, something is wrong. I could see, in fact, that something wasn't right. His breathing had become more labored and it was faster than it should have been. And I started to get really scared. Anne and Dave take Tate to the hospital. He was immediately put onto the monitoring equipment. And then they discovered that Tate's oxygen level was low. Doctors place an oxygen mask over his mouth. But I just remember seeing him rip it off. No, don't do that. I was just trying to reassure him that it is helping him. It's not suffocating him. With Tate struggling for every breath, doctors x-ray the boy's chest. The chest x-ray showed two types of pneumonia, both a viral and bacterial. Pneumonia is an inflammatory response to an infection deep in the lungs. It can strike suddenly, filling the lungs' air passages with fluid and starving the body of oxygen. It was a severe case, and, and even more concerning was the speed at which it was progressing. It was a very serious situation. Doctors treat the bacterial infection with antibiotics, but there is no specific drug available that can combat an extreme flu virus infection like Tate's. We were just hoping that his immune system would kick in. For three days, the family waits by Tate's side. Then, on the fourth day, doctors order more x-rays that reveal some encouraging results. His pneumonia was improving. That was great news because it felt like we had finally turned a corner. Tate's immune system clears his flu infection. But later that day, Dave picks up on something odd. Tate said to me that his legs were starting to hurt. So I asked the staff what that might be, and they reassured me that that's just one of the symptoms of, of recovering from flu. Despite Tate's lingering pain, doctors discharge him. But two nights later, 
Anne and Dave are woken by something alarming. I woke up and I heard Tate just crying in pain. I went downstairs. He was thrashing around and crying out. It hurts, Mommy. Everything hurts. And he absolutely lost it. It was really frightening. He was hitting himself and screaming. Terrible to see your kid in that much pain, and you can't do anything about it. Ann and Dave rush Tate back to the hospital. There, a nurse takes the boy into the ER and gives him pain medication. But it's not enough. Doctors then administer morphine, which does quell his pain. But in spite of this, Tate's condition continues to deteriorate. Tate's ability to move was getting worse and worse. And at that point, he hit a low and, and couldn't walk. His arms still worked, but there was no other ability to move beyond that. We had a child who was paralyzed. One of the physicians in the ICU said that we really needed to prepare for the worst. It was shocking to know that they were doing all they can. I think with modern medicine, they can just solve anything, but they, they can't. With this new development, doctors look into other possible causes of Tate's bizarre condition. The doctors started to think that there might be something neurological starting to happen, which was frightening for us. Neurological disorders can affect the brain, spinal cord, and nerves. They can be caused by genetic abnormalities, tumors, as well as a wide range of infections. A pediatric neurologist reviews the case and immediately orders a spinal tap. And the next day, the spinal tap results come in. When we went in to meet with the pediatric neurologist, it was of his professional opinion that Tate had a neurologic condition called Guillain-Barre syndrome. Guillain-Barre syndrome is an autoimmune condition in which the body's own white blood cells actually attack the nervous system. Inside Tate's body, rogue white blood cells attack the lining of the blood vessels. The rogue cells then target Tate's nerves, destroying the protective cover that surrounds them. The result is inflammation and Tate's muscle paralysis. If the renegade immune cells reach the body's vital organs, the condition can be fatal. Tate's body was attacking itself. My own mind went from having a family of healthy boys to not having a family of healthy boys. That was hard. But the doctors have even worse news. There isn't an antibiotic. There isn't a course of treatment. Each year in the United States, as many as 9,000 people develop Guillain-Barre syndrome. And in around 30% of cases, sufferers never fully regain the level of muscle strength they had prior to acquiring the condition. In extreme cases, the condition can last for years and can cause permanent paralysis. And I think physical activity is important. Tate not being able to pursue those activities in the future was hard. Unsure of how severe his case will be, doctors treat his symptoms with painkillers and transition him to home care. Dave was pushing him in the wheelchair. 
I remember thinking, is this our new normal? For two months, Tate undergoes intense physical therapy to help re-stimulate his damaged nerves. And then, one day, Anne sees a ray of hope. One day in therapy, Tate was able to hold on to... to, to hold on to a bar and pull himself up. That was pretty awesome. Today, Tate Hart has worked against his Guillain-Barre syndrome and has regained some muscle strength. He even has a new pastime. Now that I feel better, one of, one of my favorite things to do is to go riding my bike with my friends. But what caused Tate's immune system to attack his own body? It isn't known what exactly causes Guillain-Barre syndrome. However, in about 60% of cases in the U.S., onset of the disorder is preceded by an infection, such as the flu. Experts suspect that some viruses can disrupt the immune system and can cause it to attack the body's own nervous system. This can cause pain, paralysis, and even death. In Tate's case, his Guillain-Barre syndrome attack was likely prompted by the flu virus, and subsequent infections could still trigger a relapse. It was surprising to me that the flu could do this. And so we cannot vaccinate Tate from the flu anymore, so every flu season it's a, it's a rather scary time. But Tate's doing great now. He's just a normal kid. We are skiing, we're biking, and Tate's right there in the middle of it. For more blood-curdling monsters and their hideous habits, visit our website, animalplanet.com slash monsters inside me. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.